Presses Play. Hey everyone, and welcome to Girl Presses Play, the movie podcast where we talk about films, what we think about them, and what makes them so damn great. I'm your host, Alana Rafferty. Get comfy, grab some popcorn, and get ready, because we're about to press play. And now for our feature presentation. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the show, and welcome to Season 3 Celluloid Crusaders. I know what you're thinking. We don't need another superhero anything, really. And yes, that may be true in certain ways, but to me, superheroes are not just a part of movie culture. They're a part of culture, period. And heroes are who we look up to. They're the characters that unite us and make us believe that good overcoming evil is possible. So why not take a look at why we got to this moment in superhero culture and where we think it's all going. We'll have some really awesome guests. We'll have some podcasters, comic book folks, filmmakers, and many more. But for now, let's get started with where it all began. Because <laughs> that's always where you have to start. When we take a look at 1937's The Shadow Strikes on our season premiere. The Shadow. Hey, what's your game, mister? A form of solitaire. I'm here to kill you. Oh, Caleb was murdered. It's a mystery, I tell you. So, interestingly enough, there's not a whole lot about the making of the movie itself, or any of the movies after it, so this episode might be a smidge shorter than usual, but what I did find was a good amount of history about the character itself, which was originally created as a character for a radio show in 1930, which was created in order to promote Street and Smith pulp novels. The Shadow would narrate detective stories, but then... He started getting so popular that audience started asking for the Shadow Detective magazine instead. And from that, in 1931, one of the first American superhero comics was published. The serialized magazine stories, along with the radio show, continued throughout the 30s, and they laid a lot of the initial groundwork for heroes to come. The dark costume to conceal their identity at night, a corrupt metropolis filled with wealthy and nefarious villains, a sidekick to assist in crime solving. Then it gained enough popularity in 1937 to get its own film from Colony Pictures titled The Shadow Strikes. While this movie is simple and really on the shorter side, it's only about an hour, so it's really more of a long short film. There's actually a lot going for it. The cinematography by French DP Marcel Le Picard is beautiful, and it really uses the concept of shadows in a very chic and kind of German expressionist sort of way. And lead actor Rod LaRoque, who would later go on to co-star in Cecil B. DeMille's The Ten Commandments, does a really great job with bringing the smarts and the charisma needed to the shadow. And in general, it's always fun to watch the movie that started it all. You know, it's fun to watch... All the groundwork being laid from way back when and see just how much it appears in other movies after it. I will say the plot gets a little hard to follow but I also can't tell if that was because the rendering of the film wasn't that good because the audio got super fuzzy at points and the white balancing either in the movie itself or with the transfer to DVD and digital got really weird so the brights were like really really bright and kind of washing everything out 
And of course, having it be 1937, pre-naturalism, if you don't dig that like mid-Atlantic super stylized version of acting, you're not going to like this film at all. I can tell you that right now. I would say this film is like if Batman and Knives Out had a baby. There's a lot, and I mean like a lot more mystery than superhero here. And while you see the conventions of the superhero genre laid out, the second act is completely devoid of the superhero in question. And almost entirely Lamont Cranston, who is the Shadow's daytime persona, doing detective work. So maybe there were some budgetary issues. Maybe, I don't know, LaRock had something about hiding his face for most of the film. We'll never fully know. But either way, I'd recommend checking this film out. There is a 97 remake of the film in which Alec Baldwin stars as the shadow, but everything I've read is that it's a great big pile of meh. So watch at your own risk. You can watch the original shadow film, The Shadow Strikes, on Amazon, Paramount Plus, and Epics. Sorry to interrupt, boys. The shadow. Hello? Yes? Okay, I'll be right over. Another one of those calls. Come on, Kelly. Hey, what's your game, mister? Well, it's a form of solid. So probably the biggest influence scene today is, of course, Batman. If you watch the movie and read about the character, it'd be pretty hard not to see the very distinct parallels between the two caped crusaders. In fact... The Shadow was such a huge influence, the first Batman comic was essentially the Shadow pulp story Partners of Peril. And Alan Moore has actually also stated in interviews that the Shadow served as an inspiration for his titular character in V for Vendetta. And for all you 90s kids out there, Darkwing Duck was essentially the disney version of the Shadow. Give Darkwing Duck a refresher Google and you will see exactly how and why. And it also really influenced the style of heroes we see today. The Shadow, along with Dick Tracy, which the pulp comics came out around the same time, brought the villains down to earth with crime lords and madmen and corrupt millionaires and and really laid the groundwork for the Penguins and Jokers and Lex Luthers of today. Because without a relatable supervillain, how can we have a relatable superhero? So while this movie is humble in many ways with its black and white cinematography and its budget-friendly lack of action and even its runtime, really. It's mighty in its influence on probably every major Marvel and DC film we've seen today. Personally, I can even see its influence in superheroes like Daredevil and Black Widow and even in some films like Sin City and some of the 1940s noir films like The Big Sleep. And maybe we should be getting back to simpler superhero films like this rather than get wrapped up in the mythology and the origin stories and the multiverse and all of these very fun but sometimes 
really complicated things to keep track of, let's add a little bit more of what being a hero means for people, which is moving in the night, catching the culprits, and sending the message out there that for every bad guy, there will be a good guy waiting for them in the shadow. Bum bum bum! Sorry, I had to go for it. You know I had to go for that cheesy joke. And on that cheesy joke, that is all for this week. So tune in for our next episode when we take a look at some of the weird and wonderful superhero films of the 60s. I can't wait for you guys to listen to that one, but until then, stay safe and keep watching movies. See you next time. Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to check back every Tuesday for new episodes and be sure to check us out on our Patreon page where you can support the show and get some really cool exclusive stuff for doing it. Special thanks to John F., Fariolo Fencing, LLC, Marianne O'Dwyer, and Helen Rafferty. For news on upcoming episodes, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Girl Presses Play. The show is written, produced, and hosted by Alana Rafferty. Intro music is composed by Asha Iwanowitz, and our logo design is by Mark Sauve. Thanks again. See you next time. Girl, press play.